Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Welcome one and all to episode 36 of the Mike and Mo Show. I am always as Mike Calandrillo. He is Maurice the man, the myth, the legend, Moten, and we are here doing big things as always. Uh, got a lot going on. I mean, I know I say that most every week, but especially this week in the world of baseball, we've got the ALCS, the NLCS, we've got the World Series around the corner. Crazy things are going on in the NFL. One of our favorite times of the year, the NBA is about to tip off. Things are good. Things are lovely. I feel sick. But besides from that, Mo, what's going on in your neck of the woods? Well, first of all, I know you said you just said you're sick. How are you feeling, Mike? Uh, you're a little nasally today, so I'm just checking in to see how you're doing. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. This is day five of the swine flu. Uh, things have been better. Uh, I have, uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's touch and go. You know, we'll see. I should make it through the show, hopefully in one piece. If I do come up with the black lung, then uh, excuse me, and I, I hope to to pardon uh, pardon my uh, coughing or phlegm there that might come about but don't worry about that mo let's charge on and i know you have got some you've got some juicy stuff you want to start out the show with so i will give you the floor and uh let them have it my man well first of all i will say later on the show we'll talk about lamarcus aldridge and draymond green there's one player i have a problem with and the other that i i don't have a problem with but you'll be surprised about which player i'm going to blast later in building momentum but back to the cold opening um as some of you may know i write for empire rights back which covers all new york sports teams and one of those sports teams happens to be the new york giants now if you've been uh i don't know sick like mike and hiding under the covers you probably didn't know mm-hmm. josh brown is in the media today because reports have come out that Basically, he, he admitted to physically and mentally abusing his wife. He, it went on to say that he called his wife a slave and that he was a god. Now, I don't know if you guys have been listening to the show in the past, but I have been screaming, what about Josh Brown? Why are people talking about Josh Brown? This is a guy who's been accused of multiple domestic violence incidents by his ex, ex now ex-wife, Molly Brown. And, and if you read the reports, it's just disgusting. And I'm like... Well, I understand he's a kicker, so that's not that doesn't amount to much in the NFL. But to women who are victims of domestic violence, it doesn't matter if you're a kicker, a punter, an average man, it still hurts all the same. So I was kind of outraged at the NFL and even people, even people who consume the league were just kind of giving this whole thing a blind eye. If, again, if you read the reports, it was just nightmarish. But anyway, I had to call a bunch of people to the carpet. Number one, the NFL. Number two, the New York Giants. I should say number one, the New York Giants. Number two, the NFL. And number three, just average viewers of the NFL. And I'll start from the bottom, okay? Because reports came out, you know, it came out that he basically admitted in a journal what he did, all all his wrongdoings over the past few years. It also came out that he took his wife to the Pro Bowl. Josh Brown made it to the Pro Bowl uh, after the 2015 season. Brought his wife, and then he was banging on her hotel room door, and he was drunk, and the NFL had to separate Josh Brown and his ex-wife. Now, the NFL obviously knew that there was something wrong here, and yet he gets a one-game suspension. And if the NFL knew, the New York Giants had to know. So, one-game suspension, okay? But again, I'm going to start from the bottom. People reading these reports 
didn't have an outrage until it showed up on Twitter. I believe it was Wednesday, Thursday morning. It shows up on Twitter. Josh Brown is trending. I'm like, why is he trending? And I look, and it's because all these reports have now come out, and they're now public, and people are now reading them, consuming them. And now you get people on Twitter, on Facebook, who all of a sudden now are so outraged about Josh Brown. And as I said, I've been on the show eight episodes ago saying, where's the outrage on Josh Brown? This guy deserves to be suspended for a longer period of time, more than a game. But no, it wasn't on Twitter. There's no video. So people go, meh, well, you know, not a big deal. Why don't we talk about it? No outrage here. Then it's trending on Twitter, and then his journalists come out, and all of a sudden everyone's so upset. And I, and I call it fake outrage because it's like because it's now hot in the news, now you're outraged. Where were you months ago when the NFL is suspending him for one game? Now I'm going to move up a ladder rung to the NFL. And there's a reason why I'm putting the NFL in the middle rung and the Giants at the top, okay? Bear with me. The NFL only suspended Josh Brown for one game. Now, the NFL, years ago, after the Ray Rice incident, said, we have a zero-tolerance policy for domestic violence. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, this doesn't sound like zero-tolerance if you let this guy skate for one game, one game suspension. How is that zero-tolerance? Then the NFL says, well, we couldn't obtain the information we needed from the King County uh, Sheriff's Office. They didn't release certain things that we asked for. Excuse me, you are a billion-dollar company, you are the NFL, you are a giant, and you cannot get simple paperwork that these smaller media outlets were able to get and release publicly? I don't believe that for a minute. And like I said, this Pro Bowl incident with him and his ex-wife, the NFL had to know something was going on. There's a reason they suspended him for only one game. But if you have a zero-tolerance policy, which carries a six-game suspension, how does this guy only get one game? So now you're saying there are levels to this domestic violence threshold now? I don't get that. The NFL, they're trying to now cover themselves and put him on the commissioner's exempt list, which means he can't play, but he's still getting paychecks? No, because when Ray Rice's incident happened, the same day that video came out, the Ravens released him, and then the NFL basically suspended him indefinitely. And that happened within the span of less than 24 hours. This guy's been going on for 24, 40 hours now, all of a sudden, he's on the exempt list. Not even, not even indefinitely suspended. Now, he's on the exempt list. I get it. He was already suspended for one game, double jeopardy. But if the NFL is allowed to go back and re-examine his case and re-examine this whole investigation, then they should be able to suspend him for a longer period of time. Second thing is, the NFL lied and said, we did our due diligence in trying to get all the information. We feel comfortable suspending him for one game. Well, obviously you didn't if you couldn't get these documents from the from the sheriff county's office. It's a lie. It's a huge lie. I put the Giants at the top of this disgust meter, and I, I can't even stomach to write about the Giants right now because they portray themselves as this classy organization. We do things the right way. We're the New York Giants. We do things the right way. And, and I'm, like, I'm looking at uh, your leader, so-called, Ben McAdoo, the head coach, he goes out. If you remember, he blasted uh, Odell Beckham Jr. for his antics on the field. Then he comes out for Josh Brown and says, well, we support Josh Brown as a teammate, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, so you don't, you you think OBJ is a huge distraction. He needs to clean up his act and get his motions in track. But this guy who's, who's, been, who's been in reports of beating his wife over 20 times, abusing his wife over 20 times, he has our full support, and we're going to work with him. The Giants didn't even pull him out of the London game until hours before they were going to board the plane. It wasn't until the media outrage, some of it being fake outrage, came out that they said, hey, maybe we shouldn't put 
Josh Brown on the plane. Maybe it's not a good idea. And this is after the NFL had already reopened their investigation, so they knew something was going to come down. So they had to get him out of that game. They had to render him out and then sign Robbie Gold. And again, Tom uh, Tom Brady, Eli Manning. I'm so I'm so upset. I can't even remember his name. But Eli Manning is on these domestic violence commercials saying we need to start the conversation about domestic violence. We need to talk about it. We need to do this and this and that. And this is a quote from Ralph Lacchiano from uh, Sports New York. He basically quoted Manning, and this is what Manning had to say about this incident. He said, the Giants had to do what they had to do. You support your teammates, but also support a decision. What? Excuse me. This is another guy who came out about OBJ saying, you know, you get sick of his antics, and he fixed his comments saying, well, I was saying you as in you guys, not me. But Manning has been very critical of OBJ, and he's been very outwardly spoken about this. How come he can't be just as outwardly spoken about about this incident of a teammate, Josh Brown? Manning is supposed to be a quarterback, a leader in the locker room. That doesn't sound like a proactive approach. Well, you know, you support this decision. They had to do what they had to do. Don't give me that. You're supposed to be a leader in the locker room. You're in, the, you're in these commercials saying we need to start the combo, not react to the combo, but start the combo. It doesn't sound like Manning started this combo behind closed doors with Josh Brown. It just doesn't sound like he's the proactive person he's supposed to be in these commercials. Shame on me for believing in these some of these stars who get into these serious commercials with serious issues and take their word for it because I just really can't. And I can't. I have no faith in the Giants of handling things the right way anymore as a classy organization. It's one of the class less. And then the NFL, for the way they're handling this, as off the heels of a Ray Rice incident, where, again, he was released by the Ravens and then indefinitely suspended by the NFL the same day the video came out. Meanwhile, Josh Brown gets out, reports come out, then a day later, maybe two, oh, he's not going to play in the game. Because Tom Quinn, the special coordinator, the special teams coordinator, expected Josh Brown to kick in that game. It wasn't, again, it wasn't until the outrage came out that they said, well, he's not going to play. So I can't, I, I can't, I, the, the NFL lied. I feel like the NFL is just trying to cover their behind. They lied. The Giants, not the classic organization you think they are. And people coming out with this boycott the NFL, these boycott the NFL trolls saying, we can't support this, we can't support that. But then this guy abuses his wife and it's like, meh, no boycott. Well, you know, we'll get around that. It's just kicker. I don't know, Mike. I, I'm going to drop the subject before I blow a gasket. But the Giants, they just completely lost my respect over the last 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. This is a very strange situation of what's unfolding with that with a team that's been around forever and a team that everybody thinks is high and mighty. Uh, this is the type of thing that should fumigate an organization. Uh, you know, it's, it's some so many people have mishandled this from the top onto the bottom that their heads need to roll. Uh, but it's just, and it goes back to, the, there's a lot of talk this week that, you know, and we'll talk about a little later in the show, the ratings are down across the NFL on TV. And I think that this is one of the main reasons. I think people in the public perception of the NFL is, is finally starting to take a hit. I mean, things like this cannot go on. I, I mean, you, you can't, it's one of the, one of my, the best things that for me this week came out with was, was Steve Smith of obviously the Baltimore Ravens. He came out and said on Twitter, you know what? If your ex-wife was my daughter, speaking about Josh Brown, he said, yo ass would be on the IR. What a shame NFL acts like it cares. And he's really right. And if you go on, uh, just search, search on Twitter, you can see the entire thing that he wrote. And it was great. And it's, it's spot on because the NFL is, is such a money hungry organization and, and only acts when it feels it should that 
how could they not act upon this is totally it's disheartening and if you're a giant fan or a fan of the nfl in general you really just got to sit there and shake your head because even the news came out yesterday that uh josh brown in the offseason he was an intern for a real estate company in bellevue washington a company called jll and it came out that JLL decided that Josh Brown won't be back next offseason, according to a spokesman. According to documents, Brown admitted to the, we know the domestic violence, but he admitted that he was going to work on it and would be back with a JLL next year. But JLL said, no, he won't. So for a company, uh, a real estate company, to basically say, we no longer want to have anything to do with this guy before a company like the NFL, it's just, it's, you have to just sit back and say, wow. I mean, horrible. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel I feel terrible for for obviously the woman involved. How you know we always wonder how could somebody stay you know with a person who does that. But Steve Smith said the same thing on Twitter. He said, "Look, my mother was was uh, she dealt with domestic violence for years, and she had no voice and wasn't able to speak. So that's why Steve Smith stood up and is speaking for the voiceless, as he says. So." You know, it doesn't make sense if you're not in that situation, but it's good that Steve Smith's standing up for what he believes in and what so many others should believe in, but I just, I can't get over the fact of how long this has taken to get there, and we spoke about it weeks ago because he's yeah. a, he was a punter, because he was a nobody on on a team, and unfortunately, that's probably the reason why, I mean, other people are going to point to race, and they're going to point to all these other, you know, accusations and possibilities, maybe, but at the end of the day, it's gone on way too long, regardless of what exactly the outcome why it's taken so long to get to this point and and it needs to be rectified once and for all otherwise this is just going to be a continual situation and the nfl will feel the effects and rightfully so why you know why should we support uh, you know a brand that is basically turns a blind eye when it feels like it wants to it's all about you know there's been 19 taunting penalties in the nfl this year as compared to 11 all of that all of last year that's more important than what's going on off the field when a guy abuses his wife 20 plus times come on Come on, that that's ridiculous. But if that's what's more important than you, then then I guess you know we have a choice, and as viewers, to tune in or not. And you know, obviously, we'll talk about it again. Like I said, but people are starting to you know let the NFL know we're not cool with what exactly the way you're running business. And you know what? That's that's the thing that we need to do to to make to make the NFL know, hey man, that's not going to roll. It's not going to whatever you were doing there, Goodell and your people and the New York Giants and whoever else is involved. We don't appreciate it. We don't like it. You know, that's all we can do as fans. It should not it's stop spending money. I mean, just to go through the tears again, I mean, the NFL, it's sad that this happens during a week where the NFL is having their players have all these pink ribbons and towels and all these pink things to signify breast cancer awareness as, as a care for women's health. But then when you have one of your own employees endangering women's health, you do absolutely nothing or your reaction is very slow. It just doesn't add up. There's no amount of pink in the world that can cover up for, for this for the way they're handling this issue. And again, it's like, why do we need video? Because I guarantee you, if video came out, he would have been indefinitely suspended. Again, Ray Rice was indefinitely suspended the same day the video dropped. How is it that this guy admits, self-admits all of this stuff in a journal? He says it himself. And yeah. the NFL is still like, kind of trudging on like a snail. I'm like... This is just as bad as a video. I mean, it should it should be levels, period. But this is equivalent to a video. This is a guy admitting to what he did. And the swift punishment did not come the same day. And the Giants, shame on the Giants again, because I look at McAdoo, 
and he's and he's carrying on this we do things the right way well then if the NFL boggles something it is your job as the as New York Giants who signed they so you guys signed his checks Matt the Mara family it is your job to put this guy on ice or to release him it's just that it's that easy if the NFL doesn't do the right thing you as a classy organization should do the right thing and they did not and then to make matters worse McAdoo goes on uh, the, the W fan with uh, my, my Francesca, and he basically defends his position, saying, you know, he's a teammate, we support him and all of this stuff, and he he's offered more support for Josh Brown, who's abused his wife 20-plus times, admittedly, more than Odell Beckham Jr., who just has a couple of emotional tantrums on the field. McAdoo is so outspoken two weeks ago about OBJ, Manning so outspoken about OBJ weeks ago after the Vikings game, but then when it comes to this serious issue, like real-life issue beyond football, bigger than a sport, then these two guys go into get quiet as church mics. You don't even hear them. Oh, well, it's a decision the organization had to make, and I support it, blah, blah, blah. And it's very, it's very like short and just non-emotional. There's no emotional attachment to it. And I'm like, you are on a commercial. You are a representation of the organization as the head coach. And you are going to be silent. You're going to be mum on something as serious as domestic violence. But on Phil Antics, that crosses the line. I, I don't get it. I don't respect the Giants for the situation. Again, it's very hurtful as a person who covers the Giants to just look at McAdoo or to look at Manning and say, those two guys are leaders. I cannot sit there and say, I can believe in those two men to lead this football team when they can't even lead in real-life issues because football is also about being a man in the game. And if you're going to abuse women, you are obviously not a real man, and if you can't speak out against it, then I question your leadership. Well, that is it for the cold open. We'll be right back to talk about the other terrible team in New York, but for much different reasons. Stay tuned. Open mic. Well, it happened. It's officially here. Mm-hmm. Geno Smith is your starting quarterback of the New York Jets, and the season is over. I mean, it was over before he was officially named the starter this week. According to head coach Todd Bowles, the organization made it clear they wanted Geno Smith to start. Okay, he's only signed through the rest of this year. You spent a second-round pick on him. You're going to want to see what this guy has to offer. But we've already seen what this guy has to offer. We came in last week, where, and, and it's not even like Fitzpatrick just played bad. They, the Jets clearly gave him no semblance of pass protection. They could not get the ball past, you know, 2.2 yards a carry. Everything was going wrong. Okay, you take off Fitzpatrick. He couldn't get the team down the field. He didn't throw a pick, which was great. But you bring in Geno, and on his fourth pass, he drops back, and he throws a pick because that is vintage Geno Smith. But here we are. The Jets are basically out of the entire playoff race. I mean, anything can, can happen at this point, but, you know, do not put any money down on the Jets going any further. And we're, I guess we're going to play for the top a top three pick this year, Mo. Uh, I sense a little bit of Geno Smith hate here. If a you little? remember at the beginning, before the season started, I was actually rooting for Geno Smith to get his job back because we all know how the story goes. Geno Smith was going to start his third year. We all wanted to see how he would do with a new supporting cast, but he got punched in the jaw. But Enek Pale, who's, by the way, out for the season with an injury, that's karma biting you in the butt, by the way. And Geno Smith is actually going to get the start. But 
again, I don't. I, my hopes aren't high for Geno Smith. I feel like the season's already lost. At, as you said, it's already one in five. They're probably going to lose at least. Even if Geno Smith plays well, they're going to still lose at least two to three games. And he has a tough matchup against Baltimore because Baltimore is ranked third against yard, yards allowed and ninth with points allowed. And they have a very solid front seven. Terrell Suggs is back from injury. He has five sacks and he leads the team. So even though Baltimore has lost three straight after winning three, their defense is still, their front seven at least, is still pretty solid. I think that's going to be a tough task for Geno Smith. But back to the decision, I remember Todd Bowles had a, he basically had a conference saying that he hadn't made his decision after that horrible, horrible Cardinals game. And I think he did, because we know coaches don't tell the media everything. And they were asking, basically, after that game, when you put Geno Smith in for Ryan Fitzpatrick, was the decision already made? And basically, he said no. He needed to look at the film and talk to his coaches. And I understand he's not going to tell the media before he tells his coaches his next move. But in the back of his head, I think he already knew that it's Geno Smith time, because Ryan Fitzpatrick just isn't getting it done. He's leading the league in interceptions. He doesn't look like the same guy last year. And I warn people about that. Fitzpatrick cannot string together two successful seasons consecutively back-to-back. And it's happened again. So you get what you pay for. And you have to know the history. And as they say, those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it. And and for those who are cheering for Fitzpatrick to have another great season, you didn't do your history lesson. You didn't look back into his history because obviously you, you'd know if you look back that that wasn't going to happen. As Mike knows, I am a Geno Smith supporter because I just want to see what he could do with Brandon Marshall. Yes, he doesn't have Eric Deck, who's out with a, with a shoulder injury. He's also, I believe, getting hip surgery as a six- to nine-month recovery period. But I want to see what he could do with the real number one threat, Brandon Marshall. He's got Matt Forte. You mentioned his offensive line. That's pretty much in shambles right now. You have Ijelana and Kwale there, who are pretty good on the right side. Bruno Jacomiti is practicing again, but he's not that much of an upgrade because he struggled last year. So Geno Smith is going to have to move the pocket around. I hope Chan Gailey, who also coached Cordell Stewart back in the day with the Steelers, uses Geno Smith's mobility to get him out of trouble, similar to Fitzpatrick last year. But again, I, I'm not picking up Geno Smith in my fantasy league. I'm not running to save his fantasy league career, but I hope he does. I actually hope he does well because if he does... He could pull a Ryan Fitzpatrick and extend his career for another year and maybe get a one-year deal for next year and be a stopgap until Bryce Petty or Christian Hackenberg are ready to take over. I want Bryce Petty now. They've only been dressing two quarterbacks. They have to dress more than that. They have to dress three. Hackenberg is nowhere near ready. I know Petty played really well in the preseason. Yes, it's the preseason, but give him a shot because what happens if Geno goes out there and looks like the Geno of old. Then what? You're going to go back to Fitzpatrick again? It's just going to be one thing after the the other. And how can you even watch a Jet game for the rest of the season? I mean, yes, Brandon Marshall is a great receiver, but he wasn't targeted once on in the last five, six minutes of the game last week. Geno didn't look his way at all. So, I, again, is he going to be used as a diversion? What What is the point? I, I just don't know. Again, we've seen what we've got. I, I feel like this was a move that Bulls made out of sheer desperate, desperation to save his job because right after the game, uh, he even said the following day, he said, I don't, I'm not going to speak upon uh, uh, bench players. They're bench players for a reason. That was his exact quote. So this was not something that he necessarily wanted to do. We saw Geno Smith being a pouty baby on the sideline, throwing ice, murmuring to himself because he says he wanted to get in the game. He could do his thing. He was okay with sitting last year, but now he feels like he could get this team on the right track. Well, your your last five minutes of the game last week showed us exactly the player that he is. And I know Mo wants you to do well, my man, but uh, yeah, if you're the quarterback of the Jets, 
there's just nothing good that's going to happen for this team. So, um, yeah, can we please take Leonard Fournette with the first overall pick next year or somebody that's going to make a difference because this team is just going nowhere fast. And I, can't, I just can't believe how poor, how bad they are from last year to this year. It, it's, it's amazing to me. I, I would have never guessed it in a million years that they would be this bad on both sides of the ball. Both sides I'm- of the ball. I mean, I figured there would be a slight drop off. I figured nine and seven would be their mark. I, what I didn't, what I expected was it was the offense to take a step back. Because again, I'm not a believer in Ryan Fitzpatrick. I never was, but I didn't expect Darrell Revis to be this bad. Like, Darrell Revis is regularly getting burnt like every other week, and he had the nerve to criticize the officiating in the Monday Night Football game against the Arizona Cardinals. I'm like, no, bro, you guys gave up 28 points. I know it was a heavy. You know, a lot of penalties, heavily uh, officiated game, but you still gave up 28 points. He only scored three. Yeah. So let's not even go to the rest on this. You just, you guys just played horribly. But I think, to wrap this up, I think Todd Bowles, I think his job is safe, at least for another year. This is only his second year. They did give Rex Ryan six years, and he was on a decline for the last two to three of them. So I think they give Todd Bowles another year because you need more than two years as head coach in this league. You don't want to have a revolving door with instability. But I understand that he needs to figure out who his quarterback of the future is, and I think that's part of why Geno Smith is in there, whether it was his decision or upper management. You have to figure out, okay, is Geno Smith a starting quarterback in his league? Can he at least hold us down for a year until Petty or Hackenberg are ready? Tom Bowles also commented that Petty had just came back to practice a week ago because he had a, a shoulder bruise, and he's only been practicing for a week, so that's why he didn't throw him out right away. But I will say this, if Geno Smith stinks for the next couple of weeks, you will see Bryce Petty in the final maybe four to five weeks of the season. Good. And I, by the way, Lovey Smith just texted me and said, two years. <laughs> two years. I love two years. Oh, man. But That's moving, so funny. It's I, true. I, I hated that move. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? Tampa Bay stinks this year. So ha-ha to them, too. Over to another team that kind of stinks right now, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, ben Roethlisberger donkey kicked himself on the way to tearing the meniscus in his knee. He underwent surgery, and it basically had the same exact uh, surgery as... Adrian Peterson, and we know that Peterson is on the IR and may or may not come back. Obviously, if the, if the Vikings make the playoffs, it definitely helps. But now it looks like Big Ben's going to miss definitely this week. They have a bye next week, could, could potentially return in, what, two weeks? Uh, or, again, he could miss six weeks. So, again, I'm not really sure how this whole injury thing goes down, but you've got to think with Landry Jones – Oh my goodness, New England is going to destroy this team and and quite possibly New- Pittsburgh couldn't not make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, first of all, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler said four to six weeks, then the president Art Rooney of the Steelers said two to three weeks. Of course, the president is gonna take the optimistic side of things. So I'm I'm inclined to say that Roethlisberger will miss four games. Okay, and the next four games or four weeks I should say is play in New England. I think that's a loss. Then you have a bye week. Then you have Baltimore, which is tricky because you still have Le'Veon Bell. But again, as I just said in the last segment, Baltimore's front seven is pretty damn good. And Baltimore could very well win that game. And then you got Dallas, who's playing lights out behind Ezekiel Elliott, who we'll talk about later. Now, if he misses another two weeks, then you have Cleveland and Indianapolis Colts, which the Seals can win both those games easily. So I think they could possibly lose three straight and go four and five, but they're okay because none of the other teams in that division are pretty good. The Bengals have been sliding lately. Uh, the Cleveland Browns are winless. 
And Baltimore Ravens, as I just said last segment, they won three and then they lost three. They had they fired the offensive coordinator two weeks ago. They hired Marty Morningweg, and that offense is just not clicking the way it should. I know they put up 23 against the Giants, but they still lost that game. So the Steelers will be okay after the next four games. They'll go four and five, and people will panic and say they're done. But then the next, again, the next two, the Browns and the Colts, they'll win both those games, and I expect Roethlisberger to play. What I'm worried about is because Ben Roethlisberger is out, that means... Antonio Brown's stats could suffer, which hurts my fantasy team. Uh, I know Andrew Brown, uh, I believe he threw six passes for 124 yards to um, Antonio Brown last year when he had to fill in. That doesn't make me feel confident in this pick because it was only one game, and I I fear that my fantasy teams could suffer a lot because Landry Jones is in. Ben Roethlisberger, for the sake of Mo, you need to get well soon. I hope it is. I hope Art Rooney is right and it's two three weeks but again i think it's four and i think the steelers struggle as a team and i'm probably going to struggle as a fantasy team in the meantime yeah don't don't even get me started on fantasy injury teams you know i've had ben roethlisberger i've had jamal charles oh and i had adrian peterson so yeah doesn't matter anymore but let's talk about let's talk about a quarterback that is four and two is a franchise quarterback because he got mo money mo buckets but is the new fraud of the NFL, and no, it's not Kirk Whoa. Cousins. No, it's not Whoa. Kirk, because my man is looking strong. It is your boy, Brock Osweiler. Yeah, that's right, Hair himself. <laughs> because less than two months into the first season with the Texans, it's being reported that Osweiler is already at odds with head coach Bill O'Brien, which is strange for a 4-2 team. But according to reports, Osweiler's objected to some play-calling decisions during a routine meeting uh, while reviewing a Week 5 loss. O'Brien took over the play-calling duties a few weeks into the season, and he and the head coach have subsequently had loud charge interactions after that meeting, which did not go unnoticed by the entire organization. Now, like we said, Mo, luckily this team plays in quite possibly the worst division in the NFL, so they very well should make the playoffs. But how does this how does this team right the ship, or are we going to see Bill O'Brien bite the bullet eventually at the end of this year, and there'll be a new head coach in Houston? First of all, let me correct something. Brock Osweiler is not my boy. That's number one. Okay, <laughs> number two, <laughs> number two. I get it. Eight TDs, eight uh, interceptions, less than uh, 50, uh, less than sixty percent of his passes completed. He's at fifty nine or fifty eight percent. He's an average QB, and I get why the Texans signed him to a four-year, $72 million deal because you need an at least an average quarterback in this league. You don't need to. You don't need a great quarterback. You just need someone average just to get you by. We saw that again with Peyton Manning's noodle arm last year. I mean, he was less than he was not even 50% of himself, and they were still able to win on a pretty good defense, which the Texans do have, even without J.J. Watt. It's kind of like when your wife sends you to the store, and she's like, Whatever you do, don't get cream cheese for this cake. I want frosting. Now, you usually go to the store where the frosting costs maybe $3, but guess what? The store is closed. Now you have to go to the other store, and that frosting is $6. Do you get the frosting or you get no frosting? I think you get the frosting because happy wife, happy life, right? So the Texans, to make their lives happy and to give themselves a chance, they had to shell the dollars for for Brock Osweiler because if they didn't, they were looking at uh, Ryan Mallett, Brandon Wheaton, T.J. Yates, those guys aren't even NFL quarterbacks. I know Brian Hoyer was also their quarterback last year. He got hurt on Thursday Night Football last night. He was doing pretty well before that injury. I believe he broke his forearm. But none of those quarterbacks are starting quarterbacks in this league. At least Brock Osweiler has some upside. 
You and you said it. That division is not impressive. You're in the same division with the Tennessee Titans, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Indianapolis Colts. Now. The Colts have the best QB in that division, but yet they're the worst team in that division by record. So that goes to show you, you don't need a top-tier quarterback to win a division and get a home playoff game. You just need to have a conglomerate, a cumulative effort from all your good players, offense and defense, to get the job done. So I don't blame the Texans. But I again, I do like the Alex to still win a division. I will say, look out for those Tennessee Titans because their defense is legit. They have a top 10 defense. If the Texans kind of get lackadaisical with their wins and losses, the, the Titans could come back. We will discuss our picks later because, as you said, the Titans and Denver will play on Monday Night Football. But I will say this. If the, if the Texans are going to win this game, they're going to have to feed Lamar Miller, not because he's on my fantasy team, but because he's the best shot that they have to win this game because Denver's run defense ranks 21st in the league. Yeah, well, after you started talking about cake, I totally didn't hear anything you said. So, it sounded <laughs> from what I heard, it sounded great. But moving on, we are gonna. You know what? The thing that you can't see right now is that I'm actually doing this show in a crop top, and uh, oh. I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling so strong that you could just call me Zeke. You call me Zeke Calendrilla because my man is running wild, leading the NFL with 703 yards already. That's 116 more yards than the next best running back in the league, Shady McCoy, who may be out multiple weeks. This kid is running wild. On his current pace, he's looking at 1,875 yards, which would set a new NFL rookie record. Now, look, we gave this guy a lot of, a lot of crap. But, wait, I'm sorry. Crap or crop? A lot of a lot of crap for his crop top. We talked about how people said that he was slow coming out of college, and he 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 had a little bit of weight surrounding the old midsection. But clearly, the guy can run. Last week in Lambeau against the Packers, 157 yards, 20 more yards against Green Bay than all four teams previously combined against that Packer defense. I mean, what really can you say about him and this team? Five and one. How the Cowboys can even possibly. Think about taking Dak Prescott out of that quarterback position and sticking Tony Romo in is beyond me. But you know what? I hope they do because I'm not a Cowboy fan. But I love I love Prescott. The things that he's saying, the things that he's doing, the fact that he didn't do a TV interview because on his bye week he wanted to go home and be with his family. That's what we need more of. This kid's a real deal. Ezekiel Elliott is the real deal. If and when Des Bryant comes back. If they even need him at this point, he'll help. But they've got they've got a lot of good things going on. The chemistry right now is working, and and I I, I just can't wait for for Jerry Jones and company to screw it up because that's I guess what you got to get used to as a Cowboy fan. But man, Zeke can run and and, and Dak can throw, and it's 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 working. Uh, I know Laura is probably cheesing. I, I, yeah. By the way, I didn't put this on the rundown. I didn't want to talk about Zeke Elliott because I know <laughs> she would have the the happiest, the biggest Kool Aid smile on her face because I. Again, I called out Ezekiel Elliott to say maybe he was a little off balance because he's, his head wasn't in the game after his marijuana dispenser store visit incident. Mm -hmm. But apparently he's got it together. 140 yards, 138 yards, 134 yards, 157 yards. He's an above-average running back. Maybe old man Jerry Jones knew what he was doing drafting this kid at number four instead of maybe Jalen Ramsey or Joey Bosa. So uh, kudos to Ezekiel Elliott. He's looking like a true beast out there. I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I give credit where it's due, and he's doing his thing right now. Outside of LaShawn McCoy, he, I mean, he's more impressive than LaShawn McCoy. Those two guys together, if you have them on your fantasy team, you're probably winning a lot of games. But, again, kudos to Ezekiel Elliott and Jerry Jones for pulling the trigger and making that decision. A lot of Ohio State players doing well in their 
first year. Ezekiel Elliott, Joey Bosa had two sacks against my Raiders a couple of weeks ago. Eli Apple was even valued because the Giants need him in the secondary. Uh, Darren Lee, meh, meh. injured. Not doing much with the Jets, but again, Ezekiel Elliott is making up for it all among all these Ohio State guys coming into the league as rookies. Uh, Cowboys doing well, and I think that Ezekiel Elliott's success as a running back helps Dak Prescott because it takes pressure off his arm, takes a lot of pressure off him to carry the offense when your running back is putting up 130 plus yards a game on the ground. Yeah, absolutely, and that, that you know that's the one thing the Cowboys have been lacking for a while now is consistent run game, and you know a quarterback that stays healthy. But sticking in the NFL, we briefly talked about it a little while ago how the NFL ratings are down; they're exactly down 11 percent from this time last year. Now. 11%, depending on what you're talking about. When you're talking about it here, TV ratings is huge. Huge. It's huge. I mean, that's the thing. Is And it's funny because this was brought up to Roger Goodell. And being the consummate, I'm going to say businessman because I want to keep it PC, that he is, listen to this refusal of acknowledgement. Quote, we don't think we've lost viewers. And I think when you look at the ratings, you have to go a little deeper than that. There's viewers, but also how long they're engaging for. A lot of times, people will leave a game for whatever reason, whether they're going to go to other programming or whether the game is less competitive. Those are all factors. Um, I'm sorry, but it's 11%. You can't, you can't fight that fact. It is what it is. So people are not tuning in, whether it's because people are sick of the Josh Browns of the world or people are disagreeing with Colin Kaepernick and kneeling at the at, at the national anthem or the games aren't just they're just not that good across the board. There's some teams and some games that are interesting, but for the majority of games, and I said this last week, Thursday night games are horrible, as evidenced last night by that rousing game with the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers and Monday night games, quite frankly, also stink, as you saw last week with that Jet Cardinal game. So there's very few games in there that are even worth watching. Majority of them are at one o'clock on a Sunday. There's like only like three games each week at four o'clock, mostly from the West Coast. So I don't know how they're scheduling these games, but they're not doing a very good job. So when you put that together, I'm actually surprised it's only 11% down because baseball, the playoffs are up. The playoffs have been extremely good i mean look at the dodger cub series it's been great across the board the nba is getting ready to go so people are not tuning in and there's a reason but again for roger goodell to acknowledge to say that no there's no problem it's just asinine i mean really he's he's either the smartest dumb person in the world or just the dumbest dumb person because he does he's afraid to admit or just won't admit that there's a problem and again why the guy makes 50 million dollars a year he's not he's not hurting for money but He's doing something wrong, but if he doesn't acknowledge it and the people around him don't, then the NFL is not going to change. So I guess we'll have to do it as viewers. So let's get that number up to 20. Let's get it up to 35. I mean, there's enough people in this country that want to watch football, so it's never going to happen. But you know what? Good. This is a sign of I'm, I'm all for it. I still watch the games, but I, I'm right there with you. They're not as good as they've been in past years, Mo. Yeah, I mean, if you remember that show we did, I believe it was a week or two ago when the Chargers and the Broncos were on, I was watching Major League Baseball. Yeah. I mean, I was I was tuned into that game. with I, be, I believe it was the Nationals and the Dodgers, yep. that game. Yep, And I, I was like, screw this. I, I, I'm not interested. And I think part of it is because, well, number one, the NFL always thinks uh, more is, is better. And it's not the case because you have teams playing in London. Who's getting up? 
at 9.30 Eastern time to watch the Giants and the Rams. The Rams aren't exciting as it is. Jared Goff is not even playing who's the number one overall pick. And then you have people who are probably now pissed off about the way the Giants are handling their domestic violence issue. Who's going to really get up at 9.30 Eastern to watch that game? No. I mean, people on the West Coast are going to get up at 6.30 to watch the Giants and the Rams? I don't think so. The next thing is, you said it, a lot of the games on primetime haven't been that good. I know Roger Cadell uh, alluded to this a little, little bit, but if you look at the Monday night games, even before the games were played, I looked at the schedule for the Monday night games, and they were pretty bad, like bad teams, like teams last year that didn't make the playoffs and you didn't expect them to do well this year. First week, you had the Rams and the 49ers in the second Monday night game. It was a blowout, 28-0. That game was atrocious. Then you had Eagles and Bears. Yes, Carson Wentz had a little bit of intrigue because he won his first game, but you didn't expect either team to be a playoff team. That was atrocious, and it was also a blowout. Falcons Saints had high scoring, had a high scoring affair, but that game was a blowout. The Giants Vikings was not entertaining at all. The Giants could not move the ball, and the Vikings are not offensively. How should I say this nicely? Exciting. They don't move the ball particularly well. No Adrian Peterson. That game was also a blowout. So not only did you not have interesting play, you had a poor outcome. Then you had Bucks and Panthers with no Cam Newton, who's the superstar of both teams. Yes, you had Jameis Winston, but Cam Newton is the more noticeable superstar. Then, you, as you said, you had Giants Cardinals the week after, and that was a blowout, and then Geno Smith came out. I mean, this week is the first week where I'm like, okay, I actually want to see this game because Brock Osweiler returns to Denver to play the Broncos. That's intriguing, but that is like the first intriguing game of all the games this year because this is, these are two playoff teams matching up. I know the Jets went to the playoffs last year, but we all know they were stinky at 1-4 and four coming into that Cardinals game, and most people picked the Cardinals to win anyway. So again, your best product, which is broadcasted all over, is not even your best product of a week as far as games are concerned. And then you have teams in London who are on early. They have three London games this year, which isn't good. But the NFL says, no, we're going to stop Twitter handles from sharing our content online. Where has the NFL been the last few years? Because social media has been around, your your clips and gifs and stuff. That stuff has been shared for years now. You're going up against a presidential election that's pretty intriguing. If you watch Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump over the last couple of months, you know that is more interesting than watching, oh, Blaine Gabbert and, and uh, who was it, Drew Stanton on Thursday Night Football. So come on, let, let's be honest here. It's the star-driven league, just like the NBA. People want to see excitement. They want to see recognizable names. They want to see competitive games, unless you're betting on it, of course. You want to see all those things, and the NFL just does not have it. It's a conglomerate of things. It's not just one issue slumping their ratings. It's a conglomerate, conglomerate of multiple, multiple things. And the NFL can actually fix certain things by... Number one, getting rid of Thursday night football games. Just just scrap it. Yeah. You need to get better Monday night football games because on Monday night during Monday night, I do other things rather than watch, I don't know, Rams 49ers, the Jets stinking up against the Cardinals, the Bucks and the Panthers without Cam Newton. I, I do a multitude of other things. I cook, I clean, make potatoes, eat salmon, go out for dinner or something, and I just look at the score afterward. Well, you had it right there. Mo don't care because he's out catching salmon. I mean, that's what it's all about. He's going to find himself a river, and he's going to lay some pole. Wait, that, that sounded wrong. Anyway, we'll be right back with some fascinating NBA action. Stay tuned. It's now time for Building Momentum. Well, if you're a team in the Western Conference of the NBA that won 67 games last year, should probably win that again this year, have a perennial 31-year-old all-star who averaged, oh, 
I don't know, somewhere around 19 points a game last year, but made $22 million. Is it easy to say that it's not working out and that this may be his last year with the team? Well, you wouldn't think so, but it looks like LaMarcus Aldridge could be on his way out of San Antonio if things don't go right with the club. And by go right, I mean pretty much win an NBA title. That's what... That's what's going on in the NBA these days. If you're not keeping up with Golden State and Cleveland, then you're basically out of the discussion because, again, Vegas has already picked Cleveland to play Golden State in the championship. But it, it looks a little bit bigger than that right on the surface. It looks like LaMarcus Aldridge, when he came to San Antonio, wanted to be wanted to be the guy, wanted to be the key figure. And that was one of the reasons why he left Portland is he, he didn't want to share the spotlight with Damian Lillard, obviously Lillard has got the shoe contract, he, he's got the personality, he's got the play, he's got the swagger. Uh, for whatever reason, reason, Aldridge, who seems to be a clone of, of Tim Duncan, wanted to take his talents to San Antonio, but now is having the same problem with Kawhi Leonard. So according to sources, those close in the situation said Lord, he's not happy at the moment. The belief is that the Spurs actually pitched him on becoming the center of their offense when they recruited him. That's not happening because of Kawhi Leonard. So there's currently no no problems with Aldridge, but that him and the Spurs are far apart on their future. Now, Mo, don't you think that Aldridge is pretty much a perfect fit for this offense, number one? And number two, he's not going anywhere with that huge contract. So shouldn't the two of these guys just make up and, and, and be happy and potentially, you know, get to the Western Conference Finals before they worry about splitting it apart? Or is this just, uh, is there something bigger at the seams? Could this be the, the beginning of the end for the Spurs as we know it? I, I think Aldridge just needs to stop being a baby. Yeah. And just man up and just share the spotlight with the other superstar. Because if you look across the NBA landscape right now, you need more than one superstar to be a successful team in this league. Just look at Cleveland. Look at the Warriors. Even when OKC was on the brink of winning the Western Conference, they had Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. And you had a bunch of role players. Now, all just needs to understand that he, again, he's going to have to share the stage. He left Portland. He left a good situation in Portland because now Portland has an extremely good backcourt with McCollum and Damian Lillard. Can you imagine <laughs> if Aldridge is still there? They would probably be a top three team right now. Yeah. Now, he chose San Antonio. I felt that he should have went to Phoenix because if he's looking for the most spotlight on his new team, he should have went to Phoenix because at the time, Phoenix didn't really have a star. Yeah, they have Eric Bledsoe, but he's injured a lot. Devin Booker is now taking on the spotlight in Phoenix. It could have been Aldridge on the inside. And Devin Booker on the outside, but he chose not to go to Phoenix. He chose to go to San Antonio. That's his fault. Now, Tony Parker is, is what he's 34 years old. His minutes are going to drop below 25 minutes a game. Ginobili is ancient. He's only going to play. He's only going to play about 15 minutes. Tim Duncan is retired. You and you, I should say, Aldridge and Kawhi Leonard, they're, they're going to be the new rising stars in San Antonio. So again, it's enough to go around. It's only two superstars. I, you have Pau Gasol there, but he's in a latter part of his career. He's not going to play 30 plus minutes a game. You are, you can still be the guy. And again, if you look across the NBA, you need two to three stars on your team to compete. Now, if his main thing is just being the main guy and being the best player on his team, then he should have went to the Charlotte Hornets or the, or the Brooklyn Nets. If you're worried about your stardom and just being the guy and being the undisputed man on your roster, then go to a bad team. Don't go to a good team that's competing because they obviously, if they're a good team, they obviously have at least one star on it, and Kawhi Leonard is that. The other thing is, I feel like Kawhi Leonard and, Le and Marcus Aldridge can actually coexist together because Aldridge doesn't play a lot of defense. If you look at his stats, his defensive stats aren't high. He's not even averaging one steal, one block a game. Kawhi Leonard gives you... Uh, 
great defense. I believe he was a, a MVP of the NBA Finals at 19, 20 years old. So Lamarcus Aldridge can give you double doubles, and Kawhi Leonard can give you everything else, and it can work. It can coexist in San Antonio. He needs to get over himself. I'm surprised people aren't putting him in the same box as a Dwight Howard because this guy just sounds like a whiny brat. I wouldn't be the man. I mean, okay, you got the money. You're on a winning basketball team. Greg Popovic, the best basketball coach in the league, is your coach. What is there to be unhappy about? I I know he's come out and denied these reports, but I'm sure he said something to the effect that, oh, I thought I was going to be a centerpiece here. Well, you you can be the centerpiece, but you got to share it a little bit. This is basketball. It's a team sport still. But Marcus Aldridge, please get over yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And it's already been speculated, and you mentioned it, that the two teams that would be interested in his services would be, one, the Phoenix Suns, because his uh, ex-player, that he, Earl Watson, which he played with in Portland, is now the head coach. And two, because they're interested in everyone, the Boston Celtics, because they've still got 900 draft picks that they're looking to deal. So it's too early to speculate where it could go. I don't think he would work in Boston. They just got Al Horford. That would be a really crummy uh front court but you know whatever we'll see but it's interesting to say the least that we have yet to tip off the regular season and we've already got guys complaining that they want to be the man speaking of guys that want to be the man it's a guy we talked about last episode draymond i can't wait till he shuts up and goes away green because it came out now that maurice spates former teammate with the warriors said last year that draymond green at times this was the source of serious chemistry problems during practices and behind closed doors oh really you don't you don't you don't say so you don't he, he's not a team guy i'm, I'm shocked uh, uh yeah yeah uh yep so according to spates he said quote draymond effed up practice and shi hockey stick so clearly it doesn't take, you know, a nuclear physicist to realize that Draymond Green, not exactly the easiest guy to get along, especially if your name is Steven Adams. Now, the, the thing that he went on to say is Draymond is a good guy, a good guy, but he thinks at the end of the day, it hurt the whole chemistry of the team. Now, look, they got really close to winning the title, but the big issue is, is that according to Spates, Clay Thompson was a frequent target of Green's motivational wrath, and Spates was always the guy trying to get in the middle of the two, trying to break it up. So the thing is, is look, we know that the way Draymond is, he likes to get under people's skin, he likes to ruffle feathers, but why you're trying to ruffle the feathers of, you know, before this year, the second best player on your team, maybe maybe a better pure shooter than Steph is, is beyond me. I don't know what kind of motivation uh, this kid is going to need this year to prove that he is, you know, one of, if not the best two guard in the league, but you know how much longer can Draymond continue to act like a fool basically until people realize well you're a six foot seven power forward slash center I'm just gonna go up and around you like LeBron James did yeah Draymond Green is the wild child on this roster and I said this week ago he's gonna be the enforcer and the vocal leader in that locker room and when he's enforcing outside of the locker room against other teams, people are going to love him because he can agitate the opponent. But when he's enforcing his voice and being a vocal leader inside the locker room, it could rub people the wrong way. Now, he, it's reports say that he's targeted Klay Thompson. I see Klay Thompson as a mild guy. This is why he, I think, coexists with Steph because both those guys are very soft-spoken. They're not the type to get into confrontation like Green. But again, I, I think Green is going to be there this year just to just be Kevin Durant's buffer because Kevin Durant, a lot of people are going to be coming at his head and talking about him leaving OKC and whatever. And Green will be the guard dog there to basically bark everyone off. So I think he's going to do more good than harm this year in terms of protecting Kevin Durant until he's comfortable in Golden State. But because this is coming out, Maurice Space spoke about this, 
they're going to have to reconcile things in the locker room team between Green and Clay because obviously that could break up a team. You have Steph Curry's contract coming up, and I believe Clay also. So you're going to have to you're gonna have to mend fences there to make sure things are okay because if Clay feels a certain type of way or Steph feels a certain type of way, one of them could leave, and then you're left with Green, who could be a malcontent locker room, and you lose a pure, a pure shooter. You need your pure shooters, even though you have Kevin Durant there. You drafted Clay. You drafted Steph. So you want these guys to stay with your franchise. And yeah, I know you drafted Green too, but someone has to talk to him. Maybe Steve Kerr has to pull him aside and say, "Hey, we like your vocal leadership. We like your emotional play, but you need to calm it down a little bit when you're talking to your teammates." Because I, I believe you had this in your notes. No one likes to be embarrassed in front of their teammates, in front of their home crowd. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just it's. It's one thing to motivate. It's another thing that it, this is a continuous thing. It sounded like what Spates was saying, who's now with the Clippers. You know, he said it was it was almost a daily activity. That obviously this is still a young man. He's a kid. He needs to grow up. But you know, not everybody wants to be motivated by being picked on. So you know, hopefully, if you're a, if you're a Warriors fan and you just want to see really good basketball, they come together as a team. Regardless, they're going to be good. But you know, like you said, this is the type of thing that could you know derail. You know. A contender for the next seven, eight seasons. I mean, who knows? Anything is possible. But we're gonna, yeah. Yeah. Draymond Green reminds me of that, of that uncle you have that plays too much that comes up behind you and puts you in the headlock and goes, "I need to toughen you up, son. I'm gonna toughen. I'm gonna put you in the headlock. I'm gonna beat you up. I'm gonna punch you in the chest. And you need to toughen up because the world is a tough place. Again, because I look at, I look at Clan Steph and they look like little. Little choir boys, like they weren't hurt to fly. And then you have Draymond Green, who's this emotional monster, and he he's just built like, and he just looks like someone's uncle that's trying to toughen up other people's kids. I don't know. He yeah, just has that look. Yeah, no. And then that uncle asks you to come out to the garage, and you walk out there, and his pants are down, and you're like, "What are you doing, bro?" And he's like, "Yo, just come here and touch my dipstick." And you're like, "Why are you underneath the hood of a car?" <laughs> did that Did that happen to anybody else, or is it just me? No, I think that's just you, Mike. Uh, are you delving into your past? What? Uh, I can't hear you, Mo. All right, let's move to baseball. Baseball. Baseball's yeah, baseball. been, yeah, baseball. Indians. The Cleveland Indians have advanced to the World Series for the first time since 1997, thanks to their 3-0 shutout of the Toronto Blue Jays in Game 5 of the ALCS. Obviously, the win means Cleveland can claim a second professional championship this year as the Cavaliers delivered the city's first title in 52 seasons back in June. Uh, rookie Troy Merritt, who only pitched 11 innings during the regular season, shut down the Blue Jays' prolific offense with four and one-third innings pitched, and the bullpen, led by my good friend and ex-Yankee, Andrew Miller, became the ALCS MVP. I mean, the guy was absolutely magic, striking out batter after batter, giving up no runs. I mean, that is why the Yankees should have kept him but traded him anyway. So good for Andrew Miller. Good for the people of beautiful, sunny Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio. I mean, this just looks like a team of destiny. Uh, You know, it's going to be a fun World Series regardless if they play the Cubs or the Dodgers. Right now, obviously, it looks like Probably going to be the Cubs. Obviously, we'll find out tomorrow night as the series shifts back to Chicago. Clayton Kershaw will be on the hill. So, you know, don't uh, don't blink because it could be a really quick game. He's going up against Kyle Kendricks. Uh, you know, if, if you had to think who's going to come out on top, yeah, look, if it's Clayton Kershaw. If he pitches the way he should, we're going to have a game seven. And it'll be, once again, Rich Hill uh, going against Jake Arrieta. 
and Rich Hill has looked fantastic. Last time out, he won. So anything is possible as well in this series. I hope it goes seven. It's been it's been a really great series, a lot of fun. People are people are starting to really uh, understand that the Cubs have some great players. We all know that they won 103 games and blah blah blah. They haven't won since you know 1908. But this is a really good team up and down the lineup pitching defense they can do it all but they're starting to find out who are guys like Javier Baez you know who is Wilson Contreras we you know we all know oh uh, Chris Bryant we know we know you know there's certain guys in the team Ben Zobris that we've that we've seen but you know who are these other guys that are really making this team go so it's a lot of fun to watch uh, I'm still hoping the Dodgers pull it out but more than likely we're going to see a Cubs Indians World Series and again it's going to be hard to bet against the Cubs I mean they got a lot going for them but it'll be cool to see two you know two teams that have been around forever and ever you know slugging it out in the World Series, and uh, I just don't understand why the Knicks have to open up against the Indians on the same, excuse me, Knicks open against the Cavs on the same night the Indians are going to open Game 1 of the World Series. Could anything else go against the Knicks to start the season? Yeah, the only thing that could be worse is Joe Kim Noah blows out a kneecap, uh, or, or Derrick Rose is practicing and he fractures his orbital eye socket again. Don't say Other that. Than that. Nothing else can go wrong. But uh, just credit to Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland will be lit Tuesday night. Yeah. I mean, as you said, World Series game one, tip off between Knicks and Cavs. The banners go up. Got to be happy if you're a, if you're a Cleveland fan or a sport or a sport fan of their fan of their sports teams. But um, the thing about this series is with the Cubs and the Indians, Cubs and Indians, because the Cubs be. series with the Dodgers is there are swings here, as you know. There was uh, first team one, then you have two wins, then you have two wins back here. It Clayton Kershaw, people are banking on him to win this game, this game, game six. Yep. I see it happening. What? And like you, I see it going to game yeah, seven, yeah. but I want the Cubs to win because I, I want to reverse the curse, not of the of the goat or whatever is going on centuries ago, yeah. but of Bartman because if you remember years ago, nearly a decade ago, that the Bartman incident happened and then, you know, what was me for, for all Chicago Cubs fans and, you know, they chastised him and basically cast him out as the escape goat, no pun intended. Yeah. This would reverse everything, and, and Chicago Cubs fans can finally breathe a sigh of relief if they finally make the World Series matchup. This is what I wanted to see again. If you remember when we were picking these playoff matchups, I wanted to see a historical World Series where a team that either teams that were cursed or teams who haven't won in a while actually get in, and you have a duel and you have a good series. The Indians haven't won it since I believe 1948, yep. and we all know the Cubs history, so. I want to see these two teams in it. The Dodgers are, you know, they're a rich franchise. They don't, you know, they don't need this World Series. What? Right? No. The, the Dodgers are another classic, you know, classic organization. Started out in Brooklyn a billion years ago and have been around forever. And, you know, for, I, for me, it would be great to see, obviously, living in L.A. and being, a, you know, going to Dodger uh, Stadium and seeing games. But... Hey, I don't think you can go wrong either way. Obviously, I just I I will find it hard to believe if the Cubs blow it, and I will feel really bad for the couple of Cub fans that I call friends. How they will they will just you won't talk to them again until April. So it'll be it'll be hard to hard to stomach. But we shall see. That is it. We're gonna what? More? There's more. What? What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here. Okay, the Dodgers have won in our lifetime. Have you seen the Indians World Series win? Well, have you seen the Cubs World Series win? The well, Dodgers have won in our lifetime. The, the Indians came close. 1997, they lost to the Miami, or they were the Florida Marlins then, but they came close. I mean, I don't want to see an Those American. Don't count, buddy. 
like, I don't want to see an American League team because I'm a Yankee fan. But again, I I I won't have I don't have a dog in this race or a horse in this race or whatever you want to call it. I just want to see good baseball. I'm a baseball purist. I'm a fan. I lo- I I I honestly said to myself and other people that I wasn't. I don't. I'm not as involved when my team isn't in it. But I have watched a lot of playoff games this year. Almost almost the majority. I haven't really. I didn't tune in a ton to the to the Blue Jays when they played Texas, but I saw a little bit here and there. But it's just been it's been great, and this is why people need to appreciate and watch baseball. You know, for all the people that it's too slow and it's a, oh, it's a thinking man's sport and blah, blah, blah. It's not on social media. Just watch a game. Even you, man. I was so impressed that you were you were into it when Bryce Harper was up there. And, you know, the, the waning moments of the last round when he was, you know, they're bringing in the left-handed pitcher, the Dodgers. And it's just that's intensity. That's rivalry. That's that's what makes baseball so fun is all the possibilities and the interchanging parts. You know, it's not it's not quick. It's not basketball. It's not football. It, you know, it is a lot of buildup. It's but then when that buildup comes and you you have that magical moment, that walk off home run, or you know what many of the things we've seen this year, the Cubs and the Giants going thirteen innings, eleven innings. That's that you sitting with anticipation on the edge of your seat, and that's what makes baseball so special, and that's why it's different. It is different than every other sport that we normally talk about. That is in the, the you know the dichotomy of this great country. It is different, and that's why it'll be around longer than all the other sports. The NFL, we've talked about you know their issues. Baseball just doesn't have those type of things. They have they have their own. They have their their, their problems. We've spoke about this this year with Aroldis Chapman and, and Jose Reyes, but it just seems like they handle them better. So whatever the reason is, but this playoffs has been magical. It's been great, and it's going to be a fantastic finish. And for the people of Cleveland and Chicago and maybe L.A., you guys are in for a treat. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is it. We're going to have our NFL picks for you, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. The wrap up. So it's everyone's favorite part of the show where we make our NFL weekly picks. Just for a recap, week six results. I went nine and five, which sounds like a playoff team. Mike went six and eight, which sounds like the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, now I, you know, I, I didn't take a lot of. I, I took some risks last week, no, and, I, and it paid off. Nope. You know, so I'm I'm pretty proud of myself on this because I watch a lot of football. I write football, so me being the football guru that I am, uh-huh. Adam Schefter calls me every weekend. By the way, yep, he does. I am happy to announce my three game win last week, nine and five over six and eight. But yeah. we will get to week seven picks this week, and we'll see if Mike rebounds. Starting with. The London game that most people on the West Coast won't watch. Nope. And most people on the East Coast will have their bacon, egg, and cheese and may watch a quarter or two. Maybe. Giants and Rams. So who you got, Mike? <sighs> I didn't take the Giants last week because they just been so up and down. And I've got Todd Gurley on one of my fantasy teams. But I just I don't know if he'll ever run for 100 yards this year. I mean, Kenny Britt came out of nowhere. I don't understand how he did what he did last week, but he looked fantastic. But regardless, I'm going to take the Giants. Because they're still somewhat in the playoff run. You know, they have their moments. And if Beckham plays like he did last week and makes out with another sideline kicking that, it could get really weird on the sideline. And British people love weird. 
Yeah, I, I think he should just bring the kicking net with him as a good luck charm yeah. on the plane. He should mm-hmm. just have it on the plane with him, the same kicking net that he proposed to last week. Totally. But I think the Giants win because the Rams, even though, Katie, you just mentioned it, Kenny Britt is playing very well. Todd Gurley isn't, which is a surprise because a lot of people picked him in the first round of their fantasy leagues and non-PPR leagues. Yeah, me. Now we're out there. Mm-hmm. But I think the Giants win because they have enough offense to win this game. Eli Apple will be back, which helps their passing defense. So the Rams won't generate a lot of offense. I mean, they're a West Coast team, which means they're playing basically like 6.30 in their clock mind. So I got the Giants winning this game. All right. Next up, the Saints and the Chiefs. I just I can't get on the Saints bandwagon. And I went against the Chiefs last week. And Alex Smith, once again, proved me wrong, just being Mr. Considerate. Um, so I'm going to take the Chiefs, even though it looks like Jamal Charles won't play because he's got swelling in that knee. But it doesn't matter because Ware is a beast. So I'm taking the Chiefs. Yeah, where's the beast when he plays the Raiders' crap run defense? But I don't know if he's going to be a beast. I mean, the Saints have Saints a pretty terrible. bad defense, too. Yeah, terrible. But uh, I, I think the Saints are going to put up enough points because the Chiefs still don't put up, even when they beat teams, they I mean, they don't put they just don't put up enough points. And I know they don't get a lot of respect because of that, but I don't think it's going to work for them this week because I, I, I still believe in the Saints as a dark horse team to win the NFC South. I know that sounds weird because they only yep. have two wins and the Falcons are looking good, but the Panthers are not. And we saw the Saints dice up the Panthers secondary. I think they ride that momentum into KC and upset the Chiefs in Week 7. All right. In a battle of the exact reason why the NFL needs realignment within its divisions, we have the Colts and the Titans. I went with the Colts last week. Mo called me crazy, and they almost squeaked it out. Actually, they were up for the majority of the game and blew it in overtime. Mm-hmm. Poor Andrew Luck. If he doesn't get some blocking and a run game and a second wide receiver and a tight end and a secondary and a defensive guard – and, and a cornerback and a head coach and a general manager and a massage <laughs> therapist and an Uber driver. He's going to die in Indianapolis. So I am once again taking the beard. I'm taking Andrew Luck because he looked really, he looked good minus all of what I just said. He looked really good last week. And, ah, goodness gracious, the Titans are terrible except for DeMarco Murray. Uh, so, yeah. Listen, you didn't learn your lesson last week, did you? No. Nope. You picked the you picked the Colts last week to beat the Houston Texans. It didn't happen. They lost in overtime. You just said it. Outside of Andrew Luck, what else do they have going for themselves? T- no defense. Ty Dollar Sign, man. I'm, 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 boy. The Titans have a top ten defense. They, if you only have one weapon against the Titans, they're gonna find a way to slow him down. Maybe not shut him down completely, but they're gonna slow Ty down. The Titans are going to punch the Colts in the mouth like the last couple of teams have done with DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry and Marcus Mariota running the ball and throwing the ball. Think about that, okay? At Tennessee, in Nashville, the Titans beat the Colts. Don't consider it an upset because, by the way, the Titans are currently ahead of the Colts in the AFC South. Yeah, well, one of these weeks, the Colts are going to win and I'm going to look like a genius. Moving over to the Vikings and the Eagles, it's the Battle of Sam Bradford. Uh, you, you, my man Carson Wentz. Look, I know he was off last week. The week before that, he looked like a rookie. So I think, unfortunately, the Vikings are going to destroy him. So I'm taking the Vikings. Smart pick, my man. Yeah, you yeah. you finally seeing the light. Uh, yeah. Carson Wentz is finally coming back down to earth. Yep. I told people to. I I know everyone's excited about these young guys in the league doing well, and I told people 
push the brakes for just a second. You know, it's just the first couple of weeks. It's still new to us. Once you get the film, once you get weeks of film on a player, then you can find ways to stop them. I think teams have done that. Uh, I think the Vikings defense is the number is the best in the league. So they're gonna if if the last few teams were able to make Carson Wentz look like a rookie, the Vikings will sure do so and win easily at Philadelphia. Keeping up with the lovely city of Ohio, we've got the Battle of the Bees, the Browns and the Bengals. My goodness gracious, that's too much orange on one field, but I'm going to take the Red Rocket and the Bengals in a slobber knocker. Yeah, Tyler Eifert is coming back, even though he's going to be Maybe. on a limited snap count. Mm-hmm. Just having Tyler Eifert out there is good for Andy Dalton. I just say, hey, keep the Browns away from the Cleveland Indians. Keep them away from the Cleveland. Actually, expose them to the Cleveland Cavaliers while they play the Knicks. Yeah, they, they need some losing vibe over there. But the Browns are just pretty bad again. Terrell Pryor is banged up. They have no chance with Cody Kessler, a quarterback. Bengals win this one. Yeah, I just want to – I can't wait to talk about who the Browns are going to draft and screw up with their first overall pick next <laughs> week. So that'll be interesting. Uh, the Redskins and the Lions, led by my boy Captain Kirk. I think Moe's finally oh. coming around on him, leading the team to the promised land. And by that, I mean probably a first-round exit in the playoffs. But regardless, I'm taking the Redskins for the win. Okay, I'm taking the Redskins here, and it's not because I, I'm starting to believe in Captain Kirk Cousins, yeah, who's my boy, mm-hmm. but it's because I just don't... I, even the Lions have won two straight, the Redskins, I believe, have won four straight, and they're on a roll right now, and they have they have enough weapons to sustain, even without Jordan Reed playing, he's out again with the concussion. Mm-hmm. The Lions just don't have enough firepower. Their, their top running back, Theo Riddick, who I have on my fantasy team, is out, so they cannot even expose the Redskins' poor run defense. Redskins win this game. Moe's doing it again, ladies and gentlemen. He's going against the Oakland Raiders. I'm taking the Raiders because I love you people in Oakland. Moe's taking the Jaguars because he's moving to Florida. Moe, explain yourself. I'm choosing the Jaguars because the Raiders are moving to Las Vegas. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> they are, though. The Jaguars, they probably are. Yeah. The way Mark Davis is talking, it's probably going to happen now. I didn't think so at first, but I think so now. But on to the actual game. Uh, yeah, I'm giving it to the Jaguars. I flip-flopped on this before I got on air. I initially had the Raiders, but then I look at the matchup. Allen Robinson is probably going to blow up over uh, Sean Smith, who's had his struggles against quicker receivers. Julius Thomas, especially if he plays, I know he's questionable, but if he plays, I definitely have to go to Oakland because Julius Thomas used to terrorize the Raiders in, when he was with the Denver Broncos. And the Raiders still have the same problem where they cannot hold the tight end. So I have the Jaguars winning this game in Jacksonville. Sorry, Raiders fans, losing two straight. I know it sounds ugly, but the matchup is not good. Chris Ivory is just a, he's a similar size to Spencer Ware who ran over the Raiders last week, and I think the Jaguars are going to really use him in the upcoming matchup. A couple weeks ago, Mo criticized me for picking up Jay Ajayi, so I listened to him and I dropped him, and then he runs for 200 yards last week. So thanks for that, Mo. You're still a fantasy killer. I appreciate that. But I am taking the Bills because I have drank the uh, the Kool-Aid that is the fat man in the sweater. So uh, Bills over the Dolphins, that is that. You, are you getting matching tattoos with Rex Ryan next time he goes to the tattoo parlor? Yeah. Because it certainly sounds like that. Yeah, and we're wearing Crocs because we both love some feet. You're what? <laughs> the, the Dolphins win this game, okay? Because what? LaShawn McCoy, even though, yes, even though LaShawn McCoy is trying to limp around at practice to show that he's okay, he is not 100%. You're going to have this guy, Mike Gillespie, as the starting running back, which is not LaShawn McCoy. Again, the Buffalo Bills were winning, number one, because they promoted Andy Lynn, who was the running backs coach, and he emphasized the run game, which 
elevated McCoy's play, I don't think it's going to work the same for for the backup. And even if he does play, he's not going to be the same LeSean McCoy. And I think the Dolphins actually pull off an upset to break the Bills' win streak and send them back to earth. The Dolphins win. I'm not saying Ryan Tannehill has a good game because notice I didn't mention this whole show. He's terrible. Because even though the Dolphins won last week, he still didn't have a good enough game to start in fantasy league, which was pathetic. Because he's terrible. But JHI will be the better running back, and the Dolphins will win this game. Uh, next up is the Ravens and those Jets that we talked about. Oh, man, Joe Flacco might not play. Even if he does play or doesn't play, it's still the Jets. Uh, I just can't see Geno Smith winning an actual game. I want the Jets to win. I'm going to take the Jets and hope for the best. Seriously? Yeah, I so got it. after all of this, you, you trashed Geno Smith the last two, three months. And then you pick the Jets against a pretty good defense because I'm going with the Ravens to win this game. Again, I'm rooting for Geno Smith, but I am a realist, and he is not going to crack that Baltimore front seven, especially with an atrocious offensive line. Ravens win, and people start calling for Geno Smith's head, which is premature, by the way. No, it's not. It's it's rightfully Correct. so. Uh, the Bucks and the 49ers. Man, like this is a horrible, horrible game, too. I mean, oh, man, so much bad can go on. But I'm taking the Bucks because they've still got a little more talent, even though Doug Martin probably out for the year. Vincent Jackson out for the year. Oh, man, I, got, I, did, I did pick up Jacquez Rogers in one team. So, you know, let's let's hope for the best. Yeah, you were you were the one that picked up. I was yeah. looking for him once because I, being the fool that I was, I picked Doug Martin early in our Mike versus Mo versus the World Fantasy League, yeah. and guess what? Doug Martin continues to alternate good seasons with injury-prone seasons. He's yep. out because he had a setback with his hamstring. But I'm ranting about my fantasy team. I still think the Bucks win because the 49ers are just that bad with Colin Kaepernick, with Blaine Gabbard, with Chip Kelly, with whoever they have. The 49ers will be the 49ers. Jameis Winston finally breaks out for a good fantasy week, and he wins the game with the Bucks. When two offensive teams meet, you usually get a defensive matchup. Well, we'll see what's going to happen with the Chargers and the Falcons. It should be an offensive crazy, crazy game with those two quarterbacks throwing bomb after bomb. Uh, you'd have to be crazy not to take the Falcons, but again, I'd see like a 35-31 type of, type of shootout here. Yeah, start every offensive player you have from these two teams because it's probably going to be a shootout. And, you know, people say, well, it could be a defensive matchup because we, you know, we have got some shockers this year. But no, this is these two these two defenses, this secondary specifically are, are this poor. But um, the Falcons win this game at home because it, it's still early in the seasons, with, which means the Falcons are still legit because it's before week nine. It's after week nine that you have to worry about the Falcons. It's week seven. Go with the Falcons. Tom Brady continues to burn alive every NFL team because he is on a mission to destroy Roger Goodell. Tom Brady and the Patriots over the Steelers because they've got no one quarterbacking. Yeah, uh, two words or two names, Landry Jones, Patriots win this one. Yeah, big time, big time. Uh, Seattle and the Cardinals, it could be a good game. It could not be a good game. It all depends on which which one of these teams actually shows up. Because as we know, they've both started the season really poorly, but have played a lot better since. I'm going to go with Seattle, even though it's in Arizona, because it looks like Russell Wilson might be getting healthy, and Christy Michaels running really, really well. So, Seattle. Yeah, I was high on the Cardinals coming into this. I said the Cardinals would win this division, but now I'm kind of worried after you said, like I said, slow start. They beat up on the Jets. That's nothing to get too excited about. It's not really a test for them. 
John Brown has sickle has the sickle cell trait, which they found out during the blood test. So he he's out for this game, which means they're just gonna run with Fitzgerald and and uh, Michael Floyd, which could be enough. But again, I say this every week. Sherman, Richard Sherman is having a great season. He's going to be able to at least negate one of those wide receivers. Seahawks went on the road. And then the last game of Monday Night Special, Osweiler versus Simeon. It just, it's got like an Aikman-Steve Young type of ring to it, doesn't it? Osweiler and Simeon. No, it doesn't. It's going to be a defensive battle. This could be another horrible, horrible Monday night game. Anything's possible. I mean, Osweiler could light it up. He could have a lot of vengeance for John Elway and company. I don't see it. We could have a 13-10 game on our hands. But I'm taking the Broncos. Yeah, uh, even though I hate to admit it, because Mike, uh, my co-host over here is a huge Broncos fan, a huge LA fan. I got to go with the Broncos this week. Uh, again, Osweiler hasn't been impressive. You're facing a, an above-average defense with Von Miller. Chris Harris, Akeem Tlaib, they're going to shut down that offense. Broncos winning, like you said, a defensive matchup, but it'll be 17-10. They went off with a defensive touchdown. Maybe someone catches a pick and runs it back for a touchdown overtime. Who knows? The storyline will be more intriguing than the actual game, though. Broncos yeah, win. Absolutely. Well, that, is, that is the special report on the NFL picks. So, Mo, as we wrap up episode 36, anything you want to tell our, uh, our fearless listener base? Uh, yes, uh, look out for the Knicks opener because by the time we get back on air again, the Knicks would have already played the Cleveland Cavaliers. Again, temper, please, Knicks fans, temper your expectations. I know you're hoping for 50 wins, but it's not going to happen, not this quick. I, I'm still going to stick with 46 and 36 this year for the Knicks. They have a pretty good season, but not a spectacular one, and they grab maybe a fifth or a sixth seed. And the final thing I'll say before I get off air is Happy 60th birthday to my dad, even though he wasn't big into sports. He still loved to watch basketball, so happy birthday to him up in the heavens. I know you're watching me do my thing out here. Just trying to do the best that I can. I don't need Moe's doing a fantastic job, Mr. Moten. You would be proud, absolutely. For those that listen to the show for their weekly gossip... Not that we give that, but I'm going to throw some at you real quick because when the worlds of entertainment and sports hit, there's nothing better. Looks like uh, Larsa Pippen... The last name is what's important there. Scotty Pippen's wife is not hooking up with Future. So I just want to throw that out, Laura. This that's you probably wanted that information. And secondly, I don't know if this is true or not, but if it is, God rest. Uh, it looks like Khloe Kardashian, the fine Kardashian, is going to be marrying my man Tristan Thompson, and they're getting a reality show on E. So I don't know if that's true. If it is, I'm the first to report it, and Ryan Seacrest move over. But uh, if it is true. Have we learned nothing from many, many, many marriages to celebrity athletes? It just doesn't. It doesn't work. It. You know, I don't you know. what's so funny. I saw that and I thought it was fake. Yeah, and it I'm might like, be. Not a group on here. I, I trust your judgment. I'm yeah. like, really? And did, did, weren't they just dating for like two months? Yeah, he got well, them sprung that quickly. Well, he what got happened? he got paid. She's got a great butt and a lot of money. So I mean, anything is possible in this world. So I mean, if it's true, congratulations. I hope you two last longer than Chris Humphries and, and your sister. Uh, but uh, other than that, um, Reggie Bush. That's I, it's, I don't have anything else to say. It's, it's, I know James Harden is probably on line one. Like, don't do it, bro. My man. Don't do it, bro. James Harden, that guy. Shave your beard. We're over it. It's not cool anymore, bro. Pass the ball. That's all I have to say about him, too. <laughs> Pass the ball. That's fight. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a fun NBA season, Mo. I can't wait. 
Yeah, definitely. It's fun NBA season. I'm going to be covering it. Empire Rights Back. All your Knicks information and articles will be there. Of course, we're going to talk about it on the show. This show will be very heavy uh, over the next couple, I should say, next week. World Series, NBA tip-off, NFL season continuing. So we're going to have a lot of good stuff for you. Mike even may have a weekly entertainment gossip section for you to report the news like he did today. He's dropping the hammer on the entertainment world there, so yeah. look out for that. You know, we're well-versed here at the Mike and Mo Show. We're, we're talking it all. It's, uh, it's what we do. It's what we do. We bring sunshine. So that is it for episode 36. I'm Mike Calandrillo. He's Maurice Moton. As always, you can tune in on Stitcher. Type in Mike and Mo Show. That's all you got to do. Twitter, Facebook, Mike and Mo Show. Follow, share, like it, do it, do it, do it. Have some fun. And again, we'll see you next week for episode 37. Tune in. Until then, be safe. Have a wonderful week. And we'll talk to you then.